You're listening to Purity, a sermon series about the sexual morality of today's Christians. For more on this series and others, visit ffmcenterville.com. I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. Now, some time ago, the youth group came to me and said, Pastor Don, we'd like, or they, they expressed and some of the others expressed, hey, we'd like for you to tackle a situation on Sunday morning. We don't know how it'll go, but we'd like for you to talk about purity, what it looks like to live in, in this world, and um, uh, how, how, how can we walk pure? How can we be sexually pure in the world that we live in? And so today is part six of that particular sermon series we've been in. We've, we've talked about some great things, and God has given us some amazing things, how he has really shared um, everything with us from the Word of God in that area. So today I want to talk to you about getting radical. Can you say get radical? It's not just for the youth group. Amen? Not just for aftershock. I love the fact that our two youth groups are on the front of the church, man. That just blesses me. Hallelujah. Matthew chapter 5, verse 27, Jesus is speaking. Listen what he says. It's familiar, but I want to I take it up a notch today. It says, uh, Jesus is speaking, says, Have you heard that it was said that you shall not commit adultery? But I say to you that everyone who looks on a woman with a lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your eye causes you to sin, tear it out. Can somebody say, gouge it out? And throw it away. For it's better that you lose one of the members of your body than your whole body be thrown in hell. Listen to what it says. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Somebody say, cut it off. Cut it off. Throw it away, for it is better for you to lose one of your members than your whole body to go to hell. Father, bless the reading of the word to the hearing of our ears and the receiving of our heart in Jesus' precious name. And everybody said? Amen. Now, I got up early this morning and I baked some cookies. That was rude. Now, I've got some cookies, and I'd be willing to share them with you, but I feel like I probably should tell you that while we're mixing in the, the dough and, and the batter and all of that, um, afterwards we found a few rat droppings in the batter. But I'm sure it's okay. I'm sure it's okay to eat because we cooked it. We cooked all the, just add a little protein to your cookie. I, got, I do, I got some cookies I want to share with you. I mean, little rat droppings aren't going to hurt nobody. It'll be fine. No big deal. We, I'm sure it cooked it all out of there. I'm sure it was fine. I'm, you know. All the heat and everything took care of everything, right? That's good. We're good. I mean, last time Eddie ate my donut. I'm sure the cookies are fine. Everybody's lined up to eat them, I'm sure, right? Let's suppose this. Let me get a little radical. Today's going to be a little radical. Buckle your seatbelt. Suppose I was to say to you, Let's go down the street and watch the neighbor girl through her window. 
Suppose I was to say to you, let's go to the local park where they hang out and make out. Let's watch them have sex in the car. Above your seatbelt. You'd probably look at me and say, you're a pervert. Y'all never heard preaching like this before. They liked it in England. The Muslims who got saved came up to Raj after the, the pastor of that church afterwards and said, that's the kind of preaching we're used to in our Muslim churches. Raj says, I don't know, know how to take that. I don't know what that meant. Let's hide in the bushes. Let's watch them make out till the car windows steam up. See, you'd be shocked if I said that to you. You'd be amazed. You'd be blown away. It, you'd say, you know, you're crazy. You're out of your mind. You need to get saved. That's what you tell me. But suppose, suppose I'm having a movie night at my house tonight. And I invite you all over. Suppose I'm having a movie night. You can come on over. and get down in my basement on the big screen. And we're going to watch a movie. We're going to watch Titanic. Well, it's a great movie. That's a great movie. Really? That movie's got the same scenes in it I just described to you that you were shocked at. I'm preaching. And we're talking about purity. We're not talking about anything else this, this, these last few weeks. We're talking about purity, what it looks like. We're talking about the sexual morality of Christians in a sexual immoral world. That's what we're talking about. So buckle your seatbelts because I can't apologize. We need to discuss it because that movie contains exact scenes I just invited you to come and watch. And you say, Don, why are you so mean? Pastor Don, why are you being so mean? Because, see, it's that kind of attitude in church that's causing our young men to train themselves to lust after young women. It's that same kind of attitude in our churches that are training young ladies how to get guys' attention inappropriately. And that's in the church. I'm not preaching to the world today. I preach to the church. If you think I'm being mean or legalistic, let me ask you this question. Y'all with me? How does something shocking and shameful become acceptable just because we watch it on TV and not through our neighbor's window? In terms of lasting effects in our minds and on our morals, my question to you and to the world, what's the difference? What's the difference. That many think that Titanic was a great movie because it wasn't even rated R. I'm not beating up on the movie Titanic. There's plenty of others I could have picked. Every day Christians watch other people undress through the window of their television. We peek into people committing fornication and adultery and God calls it an abomination. And we've become entertained by sin. And when I preach like this, people get mad. Don't touch the entertainment. I got all kind of emails and letters the last time I preached on entertainment. Here's the problem with this in the world that we live in. The world that we live in is at It's agenda at best to normalize sin. 
to make it funny, to make it acceptable, to cause us to be callous towards it, so that when we see it, we look at it and say, it's not that big a deal. When our young people get around it, we go, oh, they've got to learn somehow. But God forbid, forbid the preacher get up on Sunday morning and preach about sex so our kids can hear it. Normalizing sin does not deal with sin. Normalizing sin makes it easier to participate in. It causes me to justify it in my own heart and in my own life. It's the biggest threat we face today as a family, as a church, and as the kingdom of God. The normalizing of sin. See, the enemy's strategy is to make sin normal. To make evil normal. Oh, Pastor Don, now you've gone too far, really. You've gone too far. Really? Okay, let me just throw this out to you. All the adults will send me emails and letters. Let me just ask you this question. If I'm going too far this morning, here's a question. Would you let a sexual pervert babysit your children? Y'all going to help me or you ain't. I'm still going to preach. Absolutely not. But we sit them in front of a TV to watch things for hours full of those same perversions. That's why I'm preaching. See, if you don't think I'm right, if you don't think I'm right about this, then you sit down for one hour and you surf through the so-called kids channel on your television and you keep in mind the things that I've just said and I guarantee you, you will be appalled at what you see. And if we as adults are watching TV and it happens, we say, well, you know, it's just a little sex scene. Great. Have a cookie. Just a little poop. It's just a little poop. Come on, Brenda. Just a little poop, man. Sorry. It's just protein, man. It'll add a little weight to you. (laughs) See, it's time that the church stop being appalled at the teaching of the scripture about sexual issues. And it's time we start rejoicing over the things because we got to know right from wrong. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 8 verse 13, to fear the Lord is to hate evil. To fear the Lord is to hate evil. When we're being entertained by evil, my question is, how can we hate it? When we're being entertained by evil, how can we hate it? How can we be pure when we entertain ourselves with impurity? When it's what we do to to relax, when it's what we do to unwind, when it's what we do to, to settle in. And see, God warns us about this kind of attitude in Ephesians chapter 5. It says, but sexual immorality and all, can you say all? All impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among the saints. Let there be no filthiness or foolish talk or crude joking which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. 
For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. I'm a grace man. I believe in grace. But that's a New Testament scripture that God is saying, I want you to take serious this issue among you. This book's not written to the world. I got a little news to you. It's written to us. It's written to us. And God is saying, I want you to deal with this issue inside of who you are. Listen, you don't deal with it by ignoring it or pretending like it don't happen. You don't deal with it by saying, once someone's fallen into it, well, maybe now we just love them back into the kingdom. We deal with it by setting up straight, saying, this is what God expects of us. This is what God is doing to bless us. And my question to you now, if we're talking about our entertainment, if we look at our entertainment, how does that line up with that scripture? Jesus was a radical. You probably didn't know that. You probably did not know Jesus was a radical. I'm a little shocked. I'm just going to shock you. He was radical. See, that's why they killed him. Amen. And that's why we kill him today. That's why we're okay with church. That's why we're okay with religion. That's why we're okay with pillow prophet preaching. But when we really start talking about Jesus and who he is and how he's being radical in our lives, then we don't want to deal with that. Just don't have on that talk. Jesus was radical. And in chapter 5 of Matthew, he gets a little radical. Why? Because everybody's living in this life that says, well, as long as I look but don't touch, I'm all right. Come on, church. And I've said it a thousand times. I'm going to continue to say it again. All my looking leads to touching. Somebody help me out. Why does Jesus paint such a shocking picture to us? See, he wants us to take radical steps to deal with sexual temptation. It's not a sin to be tempted. Jesus was tempted. Okay? Just so you understand, so you can say there's some good Bible teaching amongst all of Pastor Don's ranting, I need you to know this. Jesus is speaking here, and he talks about some very radical steps, gouging out eyes and cutting off hands. I I need you to understand, the eye and the hand is not the cause of sin. I said the eye and the hand is not the cause of sin. Do Do you understand what I'm talking about here? See, a blind man can have trouble with lust just like a man who can see. A man with no hands can still steal. He can still be a thief. Jesus is talking about a heart issue here. He's talking about something so much more deeper than what we've ever given here. See, the eye is the means of access into our lives, both of godly and ungodly input. The hand is a means of performing both righteous and unrighteous acts. Somebody say amen. The eye and the hand itself is not evil. That's not the issue. They gathered a group of men together over there in England. And this was one of those oh by the way moments with David Campbell. He's not supposed to preach that day. And I meet up with David and he says oh by the way I've set up three meetings today and you're preaching. Great. 
give me a little warning here. What am I preaching? We got to the last meeting. One of them was at theological college with the students. The other one was at the this. One of them was at the last meeting of the evening with with a group of men. He gathered together about forty five men or so, and he said, "We're going to go in this meeting. We have a little worship, and then I want you to tell them what a man of God is." Oh, great! Here's an American in England, and I got to talk about what it looks like to be a man of God. So I got up, man, and I gave him what for? I gave him what I thought a man of God looked like. I'm not talking about bending stuff to our will or breaking it if it won't bend. I'm not talking about grunting and making noises with our body parts. I'm not talking about that kind of man. I'm not talking about whether you can grow a beard or can't grow a beard. Whether you got a job or don't got a job. I'm not talking about that. We talked about what it was like to be a man of God. To be God's son first. To be a husband and a father to follow that. To portray the image of God to our family and our friends and everything. To follow Jesus with all of our heart. To be radically sold out to him. To shake off the gender reference of the world and accept the masculinity of the Bible. There's a big difference between the masculinity of the world and the masculinity of the Bible. And this one guy, I could tell he wasn't very blessed. Everybody else was, but this one guy wasn't very blessed. And he came up to me afterwards. He's a young guy. And he says, I just got to be honest with you tonight. I said, great, man, go ahead. He says, I'm incredibly offended at Americans. And I said, well, since we're being honest, I just need you to know. I'm incredibly offended at limp-wristed, sissy-wimpified men. We're just being honest. David's in the background going, come on. Get it. Since we're being honest. He said, well, you you Americans and your guns have ruined the world. I said, oh, great. So what we're going to do now is we're going to get rid of guns and we're going to fix the world. He said, absolutely. I said, okay, let's go talk to Cain because he killed his brother with a rock. Guns aren't their problem. Americans aren't the problem. Brokenness is the problem. The eye's not the problem. The hand is not the problem. Brokenness is the problem. And I've got to get radical to let Jesus fix that inside of my life and heart. So just go on to the other side of the room and me and you will both be blessed on opposite sides. Because in just a few minutes we ain't going to be. David said, come on. I got no time for nonsense. Either we're going to do what God's asked us to do or not. Let's quit playing games. Let's be the kingdom of God. Let's be the church. Let's portray Jesus even in this area. And that means being radical. Jesus paints a shocking picture. So he's teaching us that what we've got to do is govern our eyes. We've got to govern our hands. If we're going to take Jesus seriously, we need to think far more radical than we've ever thought about what he's talking about here. That means doing what it takes. I told David after the meeting, I said, I'm I'm sorry I stirred up some trouble. He said, no, that's why I brought you over here. Stir him up. Well, when it's all said and done, they want us to come back in June and in September. I said, hold up here a minute. <laughs> we got the other things that I'm kind of do. I'm talking about as young people doing what it takes. 
I'm talking about as adults doing what it takes. I'm talking about married or single being willing to do what it takes. The truth of the matter is the world we live in, this battle that we're experiencing is too intense and the stakes are too high to approach purity casually or gradually. You got to do the things necessary to guard your eyes. I said you got to do the things necessary to guard your eyes. You got to do the things necessary to keep your hand in check. Revelation chapter 2, Jesus writing a letter to the church and says, You're a great church. You got great things going on, Thyatira, tire, but I have this one thing against you. You got sexual immorality among you. People getting saved, the Holy Spirit's full. You're just doing amazing things for the kingdom of God, but there's sexual immorality among you. He says, you've got to stop that or I'm going to remove the candlestick. We're going to be talking about that on Wednesday nights. If your thoughts trip you up, young people, when you're with a certain person, you don't need to hang out with that person. Married folk, if you're at work and your thoughts trip you up, when you stand at the water cooler with somebody else, you need to bring bottled work, water to work. Stay away from the water cooler. Somebody says, well, it's not the water cooler, it's the coffee. But stay away from the coffee pot. you got to get radical. You don't belong over there. You've got to get radical. You don't belong over there. If you can't honor God with your body, you definitely ain't going to honor him with anything else. Just telling you right now. Pastor Don, your suggestion, you know, that we just kind of use crutches instead of just stand there and and face it and be strong enough and those type of things. No, that's not what I'm suggesting. What I'm trying to tell you is that if you lame and can't walk, you're thankful for a crutch. My wife is my crutch. She helps me walk. Are you listening to me? You know how she does that? By not having Victoria's Secret catalogs in the house. I don't mind if she buys stuff from Victoria's Secret. That's all right. We married. I just don't want. You all right, Malin? My daughter's just red as a beet there. Most of the time it's Carlene that's red. That's, that's funny. I just don't want the magazine in the house. I get her to flip through my magazines and tear out all the pages that she thinks is inappropriate. Are you with me? She's my crutch. She helps me walk. Are you with me, church? She, she's the one who does those things. Even the newspaper ads. If you ever open up the newspaper and looked at the ads, hello, somebody. Oh, just man up, Don. See, you think I'm weak because of that. I actually think I'm strong because of it. Are you listening to me? See, Romans chapter 13, verse 14 says, Make no provision for the flesh. Are you with me? See, a lot of this stuff that goes on in our lives, we set it up way before we fall into it. I said we set it up way before we fall into it. We wait till they go to bed at night when everything's quiet. We got a secret closet. 
We got a secret rendezvous. We on purpose don't bring bottled water to work. Make no provision for the flesh. The Bible says you can't trust the flesh. Your flesh isn't strong enough. And the moment you think your flesh is strong enough is the moment you will fall. Well, see, I've just gotten smart enough to stop putting myself in positions of falling. So I preached about what it meant to be a man. To stand up and do the right things, to turn our back. And this guy looked at me, and the same guy, he's just ticked off at me, man. And he says, what about grace? You got no provision in, in that for, for grace. You, you know what I'm saying? You, you've not talked about grace, and God's grace can forgive us and all those type of things. And I thought, here's the, see, this is why you make it all about you. Everybody in the room starts listening. I'm preaching again. You're interested in the grace God will give you when you fall, but you never think about what happens to your wife when you cheat on her and what your kids go through when you cheat on them and what your family experiences because you failed. Where's the grace for them? So when you can answer that question for me, then come back, bring your happy tail back, and talk to me about grace in your own life. Until then, say no to sin. That's good preaching right there. That wasn't in my notes either, man. That was good. You got to stay away from people and places and context that put you in a place where you don't need to be. There's nothing wrong with walking away from a relationship that puts you in a place that will cause you to sin. You say, what if I offend people? I would rather offend somebody by walking away than spend an eternity in hell because I wouldn't deal with a problem in my life. Remember, remember, if you want different outcomes in your life, you've got to make different choices. What if I'm single? You need an accountability partner who's going to be willing to do the same thing. It's as simple as that. Does that sound drastic? Well, compare it to gouging your eye out or cutting your hand off. It's really not that drastic. That's too radical. Jesus was radical. I, I, just don't, I, I just don't think the church understands that. We got this picture on our wall in our house where Jesus is, you know, standing there holding a little bitty lamb, and we go up to him, oh, is it Jesus? No, he was radical, man. Jesus spit on people to heal them. That's pretty radical when you could just say be healed. Jesus took a blind man by the hand, led him out of the village. He didn't say not a word to read your Bible. He grabs a blind man by the hand, didn't introduce him, didn't say, hey, no worries, I'm Jesus Christ, the Messiah, I'm going to heal you, just follow me. No, he just grabs a guy, it takes him outside of the village where he's never been before. This guy's got no idea who's got a hold of him or whether this person's going to leave him out there blind where he can't get back to where he goes. Jesus is radical. Jesus is going to take us places we've never been before. Oh, man, that's a different sermon. Man, that's radical. Sounds like you're saying, Pastor Don, we just need to withdraw from culture. What you're suggesting is, is radical. No, no. What Jesus said is, listen to me, gouge your eye out and cut your hand off. He didn't say withdraw from culture. 
He said deal with the problem in your own life. Just withdrawing from culture doesn't fix sin. Come on, church. Just withdrawing from the world don't fix brokenness. You can be all alone and still broke. Over and over and over, people told me all the time, I'm serious about purity. But then I watch them make provision for impurity. And then I'm mean when I said, look, I don't have time to meet if you're going to keep on the merry-go-round of stupid. Just keep going in a circle, man. When you let go of the merry-go-round, we'll meet. That'll hurt. Absolutely it'll hurt. Gouge your eye out. Put your hand off. Let me just say this. If a guy is struggling with sexual immorality, say pornography or whatever because of the TV, and I suggest he get rid of his television, I'm the devil. Here's what I think you need to do, brother. You need to get rid of the television. What do you mean I need to get rid of the television? What am I going to do? Maybe read the Bible? believe the conversation I've had with some people how they continue to make provisions for the flesh and that's what I'm saying no Romans you're doing it you're making provision you know what the problem is where it's at you need to get rid of that thing so God can deal with your heart but you want to continue to make provisions you're going to stay up late after your wife goes to bed and your kids go to bed and guess what you're going to do you'll find a bunny rabbit channel I know what you're doing and then you're going to blame me because I wouldn't help you. What if it's the internet? Okay. Well, how about tell your wife? Give her the password. Or how about tell your husband and give him the password to the computer? Now that's going too far. I'm not a third grader. Really? No, you're not. That's why you need to deal with this. Now we're getting somewhere. You're a grown man. You're a grown woman. You're an adult. These kids don't want me to treat them like kids. You would not believe the things they asked us to come and teach them. We, we can't treat you like kids. No, you're not three-year-old. You're an adult. That's why you should do adult things. You mean to tell me that followers of Jesus Christ were tortured and gave their lives to obedience to Him and you're whining about the TV and the Internet? I'm sorry, but when Jesus said take up your cross and follow him, that implied sacrifice greater than the TV and the internet. There was no other implication other than when Jesus said take up your cross and follow me daily than that you die. You know, there was only one expected end for a fellow who was carrying a cross down the road. That was death at the top of the hill. How sold are, out are we to purity? How sold out are we to 
purity? How desperate are we to have victory over sin? How radical are we willing to be for Jesus? How much do you want the joy and the peace in your life that only Jesus Christ can give? Sexual immorality only brings pain, despair, depression, agony, hurt, abuse, neglect. Can I go on and on and on? Every person in this room has experienced it in one way or another. We carry this stuff with us for years because of what we were exposed to or what happened to us. How much do you want the joy and the peace of the Lord in our lives to help us walk out of the sea? I'm going to just shock you. I'm going to say something very radical, and, and, and it, may just, it may just blow you out of your seat, but don't make it any less true. Purity comes only to those who want it. Sit in my office and, and weep and cry about, oh, I want purity, I want purity. But you continue to make provisions for your flesh. You don't want it. Proof of desire is in the pursuit. I want people to know what I want by watching me pursue it. Not by hearing me talk about it. Come on, church, I'm preaching this morning now. Let me, let me just give you a couple of things here. Is that all right? I'll just give it to you this morning, whether you want it or not. I've been gone for two weeks. Listen to me, church. You need to control the Internet. Pornography and sexual immorality is not only available in the world we live in, but it's absolutely unavoidable let's just be honest I'm not going to butter your roll here this morning how we deal with what's unavoidable is the question use filters on your computer Guys tell me all the time, oh, how can I do this? How can I, I need I need my computer for work? I need to be on the internet for work, but it's the cause of my, my problem. Or ladies the same way. It's the cause. Then put a filter on it. Okay, here's a great one. It's gonna cost you eight dollars a month. <gasps> I gotta spend eight dollars a month? Why about just gouge your eye out, man? Just lay your hand right up here. I got a knife. I mean, you're spending 40 bucks a month for the thing that's giving you the grief, and you're going to bark at me by having to spend $8 a month to protect your life? How about giving up two sodas a week? There's your eight bucks. Or how about giving up one of your cups of, of Starbucks a week? Which, in my opinion, Christians aren't going to be spending no money there to start with. That guy flat out said he didn't want Christians' business. I think if every Christian stopped purchasing his garbage, they'd put him out of business. And then we can go to Big B or something. Great Lakes, wherever. Dunkin' Donuts, or there are other options if he don't want my money. He made me mad. I'm 
always shocked at the people who struggle with impurity on the internet. But when I, when I give them the option, they refuse to pay the price for the filter each month. It doesn't make any sense to me. It just blows my mind away. You can't afford not to have it on there. If there's a problem in your house, all right, fine. Don't pay the eight bucks a month. Do away with the internet. <gasps> How am I going to keep up with Facebook? Well, it's not on my internet. It's not on my computer at home, Pastor Don. It's on my phone. Really? Well, you don't have to have a smartphone. Go get a dumb one. You can still call people. See, stop making provisions and excuses. How about move the computer out in high traffic areas where everybody can see what you're looking at? And let me just tell you something. If you come and look at my computer and all the history on that computer is erased, I got something to hide. If I come and look at your computer and all the computer, the history is erased, you got something to hide. I don't erase the history on my computer. My wife can look at it anytime she wants to. I don't got nothing to hide. And if it comes time to clean the computer or do whatever, she's there to watch it happen. Oh, that's a crutch. Really? I'm walking just fine. Second, take charge of the TV. Just throw this internet. Please write this down. How many of you know this site? Pluggedin.com. A few of you do. Some of you don't. Please write that down. How many of you like going to the movies? Man, I love going to the movies. I love going to the theater. Everybody's like, oh, I'll just wait for it to come out on DVD. That's not the point. Yeah, it'll be just as good. I like going to the theater. Sometimes my wife and I have gone at midnight to the theater. Come driving home at 3 o'clock in the morning. It was a great movie. Just radical, man. I, I like going. This website will allow you to check on any movie, any TV show, and find out what the content's in it before you ever watch it. It'll give you the sexual content. It'll give you the theme of the movie. It'll give you, if there's any spiritual content, it'll tell you about uh, profanity. It'll tell you about nudity. It'll tell you about anything you want to see. And you can read that and go, well, I can't go watch it. Just be radical. Why? I don't want to be entertained by sin. It's not worth it. It's a made-up story that lasts about two hours. You're going to leave there and forget it anyway. Why subject yourself to garbage? Right, same way on the TV. I don't want my kids to watch this show. What about this show? Put it in there. It's right there. It'll tell you everything that's going on with it. This is probably the best resource for what I've been talking to you about. Please don't forget this. It's a gift from me to you. Let me help you out. Channel surfing invites temptation. Sure it does. I love Tim and Lynette's rule at their house. Their kids do not get to watch live television. Their kids only watch what's recorded. That way they skip the commercials. Because that's, hello church, it's garbage. And Tim and Lynette govern the shows they watch. Hey, if that's too radical for you, how about this? There's another option for you. It's a little red button that says on off. Turn it off. 
I said, turn, just switch it off. Just switch it off. That's radical, isn't it? How about this, parent? Don't allow your children to choose their own programming that they watch. Come on. Parents, you have the veto power. No. I want to watch it. No. They get old and haven't fallen into sexual impurity, they're going to thank you for it. Our girls all the time, they come, hey, can we watch this? And, and, and my wife's like, no, you can't watch that show. Why? It's a cartoon. We want to watch it. My wife's you can't watch that show. And I was standing there one day, I'm like, why can't they watch that show? It looks pretty cool. It's a cartoon. My wife's like, trust me, that's not a good cartoon. So they switch the channel. So later on, I was down, I was like, i got to check this out. Why so bad about it? I turned this thing on, I could not believe the perversion in that cartoon. On a kid's channel! Through a cartoon, you know what that does? It makes it funny. Numbs us and builds calluses in our life to what God calls an abomination. We wonder why our lives are so broken. We wonder why the world's so broken. We wonder why the abortion rate is so high. We wonder why, you know, sexual diseases are rampant. We wonder why every town's got to have these shops. We wonder why all these things where we've got to debate choice. I say let's deal with it before we get there. Right? I say we teach our young ladies to tell a young man that if he can't honor her before the Lord, right, he just needs to get up the road. We teach our young men that if God is going to give them a gift of grace, which is called a wife, that he needs to honor her before the Lord in every way. And that means if you ain't married, there ain't no touching. Don't leave children unsupervised in front of the television. Please. Never used the television as a babysitter. Listen. Even when TV isn't bad, it often keeps us from doing what's better. I didn't hear nobody. I said even when TV isn't bad, it often keeps us from doing What's better? True. Flipped on, you know, the Andy Griffith channel. The Andy Griffith. I never realized in all my life that Barney and Andy were such players. Did you ever, did you ever see that? running around with every woman in town. I mean, Barney Fife was a Mac Daddy. You can't even watch Andy Griffith. Reruns of Bonanza? How come none of those boys are married? They were good with a gun and good on a horse. They're always beating up somebody. But every episode, little Joe's got a new girl. 
And you know, you know, it's, it's like the red shirt on Star Trek. You know, the guy with the red shirt always dies on Star Trek, right? Right? On Bonanza, if one of those guys starts dating a girl, you know she's going to be dead by the end of the episode. It's the truth. You start watching it, there she is, and she gives the Google eyes a little joy. I'm like, oh, she's a goner. Oh, man, she's just dead right now. Just swami. She's a goner. If TV is promoting ungodliness in your home, get rid of it. That's not legalism. That's discipleship. That's because I love you. That's because I believe in you and what God is doing in this church. How about doing this? How about doing a fast in your home for one week from the TV? (gasps) What are we going to do? Sit across the room and stare at each other. How about doing a fast from the TV in your home for a month? Watch what happens. See if you like what you find with all the time you have. That includes feeding your passion for Christ. Listen, if everything I've said today flows one, just go ahead and eat a cookie, man. You, You see what I'm saying? It's just a little poop. Right? Yuck. That's the same way I want us to feel about immorality and impurity. That's the same way, kids. That's the same way I want you to feel about it. Right? God made all things good. Sin corrupts. Sexuality is not bad. Right? Again, remember what I said at the beginning of this. Sex is not something we do. It's something we are. Sex is who you are. That's why the the world is trying to blur the line. That's why the world is trying to say, oh, it doesn't matter which bathroom our kids go to anymore. Maybe today, little Johnny feels like a girl. He should be able to go to the girl's bathroom. They're They're trying to blur the lines. Sex is not what I do. Sex is who I am. And God born me the way he born me for his glory. It doesn't make me any better or any less better of the opposite sex. So I want, I want us to grab a hold of this one. This is just one of those themes, you know, getting radical. i got two more sermons in this series, two more. Okay? And I hope that you'll continue to press in. Will you stand with me? Yeah, come on. Now we're getting radical. Yellow. Why don't y'all stand? I've struggled with this issue in my life. I feel like Pastor Don has really focused on the men in this area, and I think that's great. But there are women who struggle with the same issue. And I just feel like I want to call the women in this congregation, whether you're single or married, to a higher standard of what you set your eyes on. That romantic movie, that chick flick, You have to be careful with what you're setting your eyes on. Um, It will take your eyes away from your husband. It will take your eyes away from your heavenly father. 
And um, just like Pastor Don described a scene in Titanic, you know, there's a movie that was near and dear to my heart, and it's about a woman who's betrothed to a man, and she decides that that's not what she wants. And so she leaves him and has sex with another man, and they end up having this great life together, and it's The Notebook. And it's such a sweet, sweet story about a woman who gets Alzheimer's. And, and you know, it just it makes our hearts melt for their story, and we just think it's so precious. And their, their marriage began in infidelity. And so I just think we have to be careful what we're putting our hearts and minds on. It's so important. <laughs> I cannot stress the things that you let your ears hear and the things that you let your eyes see. It's important. So, um, Amen. Amen. You want a romantic story? There are plenty of them in this book. How about Rachel's story? Come on, somebody. Right? How about Ruth? There's plenty of them in there. See, God can, God can give us what we need and more than what we need. So I want to pray for you. Father, I love you. Thank you for today. Thank you for this church. It gives us the freedom in the pulpit just to preach the word of God with joy and receive it with joy. Not to hold back, God, to press in. I pray for each and every person that's here, each and every person that will watch this or hear this. God, that you will let our hearts and lives be open to who you are. Jesus, will you just be Jesus? Will you help us to understand? Will you give us our eyes for your glory? Will you give us our hands for your glory? God, not to put them to filth. So I just pray right now that the, the grip of this thing would be broken in the hearts and lives of our church. Lord, we've got two more messages that I know God, you're going to speak in a powerful way. So we posture our hearts. We posture our hearts and say, speak to us, God. Thank you for today, for your word, in Jesus' precious name. And everyone said, amen. Turn around and tell somebody you love them, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah.